Hey, so listen, we're running out of excuses here with the intro track. I think eventually we're actually going to have to do one. Yeah, I think what we should do now is everyone's suggesting like have the the, the viewership do it, but that's that's cheating. We yeah. need to do it. We need we're to capable. step up. We need to do it. So, community, what do you think our intro track should be? Because how long should it be? Like 15 seconds? Well, I think it should be, the total track should probably be like a minute to a minute and a half. And what we'll what? do, listen, what we'll do is that we'll start the track and then it'll fade down and then we'll fade up and we'll talk over the intro track. So you get a nice smooth transition. This is how I do my podcast, Shameless right. Plug. Um, and it, it's great, I think. Yeah, the, the worst thing, because I've very infrequently listen to podcasts but when i do i don't like when there's the intro song that's it just goes on forever right because you know unless it's really really good i just want to hear the talking yeah yeah uh so i think i think the hybrid is is good where you start it off and then you fade it in slowly and then the 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 band or whatever the hell we are the group the people the hosts we start talking over the intro track Okay. Right. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, we'll do that next week. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dipped in Tone. We're on episode... Uh, 25? Or 26? We're not I sure. Think I think it's 25. Yeah, we'll, we'll, ha we'll have it right in the title um, later, but... Yeah. I can't keep track of stuff. Everyone asks if I serialize my pedals, and I just don't because <laughs> I don't, like... I'm not that meticulous. I have friends who literally have spreadsheets and they know exactly what's what. And even some people who know where, uh, like serial number went, like who ordered it and mm. stuff. And I, 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 I just say, you know what? I, if it breaks, I'll fix it. It doesn't really matter. Right. So, right. Well, if I guess what's the point of having a serial number, right? It, it would be to keep track of batches. If you had like a bad batch or something. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, you just look at the circuit board like, oh, that thing's wrong. Change it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, to me, it's it's like I understand the point of doing it to track how many you've sold. I think, oh, but apart right. from that, like right. why, like you know, like on a pedal, like on a guitar, I get it. Sure, this was made this day in this mm -hmm. batch, like mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but a pedal, uh, who cares? Do you think if if you ever if if Mythos ever really blows up? you'll get to the point where you just have to start doing it or if it have, has just the, that ship has left the building, so to speak. It doesn't, I don't, I do not see the point in it. I don't, I don't, I actually, uh, sadly have stopped even signing the insides because I'm just too busy. That horse has left the Harbor as they say. <laughs> yeah. That old, that old, that old saying, as they've said for generations. Mm. Yeah. So how was, how was your week? My week was okay. My week was okay. Um, just really struggling to keep stuff going here. I may have found someone to hire. Um, mm. Keep you guys updated on that. But really, really excited. I've been looking. I've been asking around. And um, I actually went to one of my old guitar teachers from AIM, who now teaches at a different college. He's part of the jazz guitar department at uh, Kennesaw State University. I called him and was like, hey man, this is what I'm looking for. Basically, I need a full-time production assistant. I need somebody who can help me film, who can help me edit, develop ideas, who can play 
who can be a part of videos, you know, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, had an interview with this guy yesterday. Seems real promising. He seems real good. And he seems better than me at a lot of stuff, which is exactly what I want. I want someone who's a better guitar player, a better musician, <laughs> someone who like gets the visual stuff that I can hire and, and work with on a daily basis. I think that is so crucial um, because there's nothing worse than working with someone who you also have to teach. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and I've been approached by a lot of people to come work for me. Um, you know, and, and I'm not at the point to where I want to hire someone I don't know, but I'll get uh, resumes and they don't speak to any pedal building experience. Right. Uh, or, or soldering experience. And, and if they can't, you know, if I, and chances are, if I had someone helping me, they wouldn't have to do that. But if I need someone to solder these foot switches or these jacks, like the easy soldering, if they can't do that, you know, yeah. this is yeah. not worth my time. So there's always a learning curve. You're always going to have to teach something about, because the thing sure. I'm learning, I've never hired anyone before. And, and I'm talking to some people. I'm talking to Josh about it because he's obviously had a lot of experience with this and like building teams and stuff. And I think long-term, that's where I'd want to get. Like if I look at what, where I want to go over the next five to 10 years, I really think I want to start like a production company and grow beyond. I'd, I'd love to make a series that gets picked up by Netflix and things like that or HBO or whatever on, you know, whatever. Um, and so that's going to mean like hiring people and bringing people in. And, uh, but I've never done it before, dude. It's so scary. It's like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm, I'm committing to this person to like, how am I going to pay them? <laughs> like, oh, oh boy, this is this is freaking me out a little bit. But I think long term, if it works out, it, it'll just help push the whole. It'll start to push the snowball down the hill that much faster, as right. they and say. I mean, like that's something that not many people take into consideration. The next step in growing a business is so much more than just having someone sit next to you to do work. You know, mm-hmm. having to pay social security tax and like do those sort of things. If they're, if they're going to be an employee of yours and, and uh, if you have a, a limited liability corporation, then that's what you do. Uh, it's, it's so complicated and, and it's scary. Like it's, it's, it, it's not like, you know, the, the most debilitating thing, but I, I think you and I are probably in the same boat in that these things are high stressors because you've never done it. And it's like, until you take the dive over that cliff, it's just really hard to, to, to get to that point. To mm-hmm. do something. And that's why it's important to have people around that you can talk to who've done it before, you know, yeah. and compare notes. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> dude, when I started playing guitar, uh, I never thought, or even when I started making YouTube videos, I never thought I'd be in a position where like, okay, I've got to, oh, I, we started an LLC and I got to figure out like tax stuff and business stuff and I'm hiring someone now. And what does that look like? And what, what am I doing? Never, ever thought that this would be where we are, but. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that's hey. the journey. Hey, man. Hey, man. Listen. Look at us. <laughs> when that cart leaves the horse from the building, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what they do, you know, man, shit. When you disconnect the, the cart from the horse and you put two yep. horses on a different cart, just like it goes faster. That's what my daddy always said, you know. He learned you. He learned he learned me that from a young age. You know, when when you go to the moon, when you shoot, when you shoot for the stars, and you miss, when you shoot for the moon, you and you miss, you uh, die in space. 
Right. That's what my daddy always said. Anyways. No, I and, and team, <laughs> uh, meat, pie, uh, anagram for meat is team. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. We're pivoting. That's my Shaun of the Dead reference, the, the is really bad. The podcast now is no longer about guitar. We are a self-help um, uh, inspiration TED Talk podcast. We're going to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, <laughs> we're going to be a Gary, Gary V knockoff for you guys. We're going to help you monetize your brand. We're going to monetize your passion. We're going to help you build your uh, stuff that you do online. All right, I'm done rambling. What, how was your week? <laughs> I was fine. Uh, actually, um, I finished my delay. Yeah, uh, you I got did. The, the test enclosures, and you've seen it, and a few other people have seen it. Uh, I, I sneak peeked a, uh, just a fraction of the pedal, and I'm really, really, really excited to um, get this in the hands of people and get it to my dealers to uh, to sell. But, you know, I feel like th that this has been the thing I've talked about for the past, I don't, I don't even know how many episodes it's just working on this delay, but, but just, you know, plugging along. I, I do have this, um, the, the desire to get a heavy metal guitar has come back. I text you this. You did. And so, and now I'm, I'm looking for one. I think I found one and I'm going to, it's on eBay and I'm going to bid on it. Um, why, why a heavy metal guitar? First of all, you know, let's describe what is a heavy metal guitar to you? Uh, a guitar with a thinner neck, uh, a guitar with a flatter radius fingerboard, okay. higher output pickups. Um, Active or passive? I, I prefer passive. Um, okay. Although I do like Fishman Fluence pickups like across the board. I think they sound great. Uh, something with uh, a very intonatable fixed bridge for me. Uh, and a thin, solid body. Um, you know, I, I just, I want to play heavy riffs and I know I could do it on any of my guitars, but I want one of these guitars, you know, something like that. So I have, I have my feelers out. What are you, what are you looking for? Like, do you have like a brand or model? Well, the one I like, because if, if you listen to Keith Marrow, um, He's, he was a YouTuber. He did a bunch of Duncan videos, and, and now he's a Schecter artist and, and does a lot of stuff. But he has a couple models, and he has this one. Let me see if I can... I'll find it real quick and put it in the chat. Yeah. He, he has a model that... It's, it's, it's a previous model um, called a KM6 Mark II, and it looks, you know... Sounds like a British racing motorcycle. <laughs> yes, it does. But I really like the look of this thing, and um, that's, that's a good picture. So, oops. Oh, my gosh. Discord. Let me drag and drop into you. Hey, but switch. It's, I just want something to play chuggy riffs on <laughs> that I can set up and, like, tune low. Hey, man, I just want to play chuggy riffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just want to. Just like my, my daddy taught me. Whoa. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, not that. Okay. Yeah. I thought, okay, so uh, first of all, shout out to the Patreon chat today on point as always. If you uh, want to join in live while we're taping these episodes, you can join us on Patreon down below, jump on my Discord. We do private live stream uh, for the patrons. And Dave Jordan in the chat posted a BC Rich, and I for a split second, I thought it was you. And No, not that. No, whatever floats your boat, pointy. man. Hey, that's cool. I like yeah, that. No, see, yeah, I mean, it's, it's simple. It's 
I, I am looking at some fan frets and stuff, but I don't know. I, I just, I want it. <laughs> I've, you know, listen, I get it. I, I was jonesing for a gym not too long ago, you know. Um, and the then I re- Yeah, the guy. And then I realized that I would never play that guitar. I just wouldn't play it. I would look at it and it'd be, I'd oh. look at it and go like, yeah, that's cool. I have a gym. I, for whatever reason, you said gym, and I was literally thinking, like, you're wanting to buy some, like, free weights or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I need I'm subtitles. A, I'm getting uh, a so Bowflex. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just thought, like, oh, yeah, I'll get a I'll get a gym. That'll be sweet. And then I realized, man, on the list of things, if I'm going to buy something, that's, that's 10 or 12 on the list, I think. Yeah, and, and the reason I like that Keith Marrow mark two because the newer one's a lot pointier that one to me is still kind of in the realm of traditional um but i don't know they just look cool and it's got a nice like veneer flame top and it's it's a satin finish and i just i just want to try it you know that's if fine. i if i hate it i can sell it and that's fine no harm no foul so, that is fine but anyway that's fine that's fine so, so i have a rig to dip yeah so speaking of patrons or patreon chat we're going to dip somebody's rig. This happens every week. Actually, last week we did four rigs, three rigs. Yes. Yeah. Four. I think four. It was right? a good time. So uh, if you want to submit a rig to be dipped, you can email us um, at the email down below. You have to be a patron to get your rig dipped. And uh, we, we dip rigs of all shapes, sizes, prices. <laughs> My rig got roasted on JHS's live stream. Yeah. <laughs> this week my god um the so there was a if you missed it jhs pedals did a live stream on their channel where they rated my rig you know music is win samurai guitarist pete thorne um colin from cs guitars and uh for josh and i decided ahead of time it was premeditated that we were going to give away a pedal to the uh the person who roasted my rig the best and it was good. It was a mixed bag of like genuine roasts and then people that just hate me and my channel and took it as an opportunity to just talk shit about me to me. But that's fine. That's the internet. The winner, though, was fantastic. It was, um, let's see if I remember it offhand. I, Do you remember what it was? No, I, I, I watched, but I can't remember. It was, <laughs> it was Rhett's rig makes me want to suck the craft beer suds out of some hipster's personality trait beard. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that is gold. That is genuine roasting gold. Yeah, it was great. Um, I forget the guy's name. It was like Joran or something like that. But well, yeah, it was he got a pedal, or they got a pedal. Well, all right. Well, here is the rig. I'm going to drop it in the Discord. Boom. Ooh. So this one is from my my good friend, Mr. Andrew Sovine. Ooh, yes. Yes. And he has some cool stuff. And I thought, you know what? I bet a lot of people haven't seen anything like this. This is cool. <laughs> this is cool. So let's get into it. So he sent me, he at first sent me the picture and I was like, hey, can you uh, give me a list of what all this shit is? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this is great. What is this stuff? <laughs> yeah, a lot of what? Uh, so let's run through it here. So uh, Andrew is a huge fan of the Wandre guitars, which are, uh, I believe, Italian made guitars that are pretty rare and pretty sought after. Really interesting. Very Body interesting. Body shapes. Yep. Pickups. Um, 
They have uh, some of them have I think aluminum necks. That, uh, he's got a couple of them. Wild, really cool. But this is a 1963 Wandre Tigre. Uh, cool. And, and it <laughs> never is, heard of it. Never seen one. Oh, it's wacky. It's got a little tiger on the pit guard, um, and kind of that big, almost Bigsby like uh, mm-hmm. headstock mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, he's also got uh, Troy Van Leeuwen Jazzmaster with some Brandon Wound pickups. Love and that. The, the Descendant Vibrato, which is um, Chris Swope's uh, variation of a Jazzmaster trim. Interesting. It's, it's different than a Mastery. Uh, how it functions is different, and it's really it, it's a great alternative to a Mastery if you like the Jazzmaster style thing. Yeah. Uh, amp wise, he's got a '64 Vibro Verb. Love it. Which, which is no slouch. That's the, you know those are rare. One fifteen in there legit uh a filmo sound model 385 which i think that was probably what the uh walrus 385 mm-hmm. pedal is based off of so like a projector amp that's mm-hmm. converted um it's got a little weber blue dog uh and then that little speaker up there in the picture you can see like a little speaker with like a microphone on top yeah what is that i think it's just a little speaker cab um that he can just like plug into and get like wacky sounds for recording. And then his pedal board has all sorts of stuff that is. This is a cool pretty, pretty rig, cool. man. This is really cool. Yeah. I thought, I thought this would speak to you. Cause like, I mean, the amount of sounds you could get out of this is, it's crazy. This is like a sound design sort of rig, I think. Y- yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Andrew uh, is a, monster guitar player too so he's he's no joke so his board i'm going to run through it he he sent the email and have you ever had it where gmail just takes instead of like returning the line it just makes the it just makes it one long line yep mm-hmm. uh, that's what happened <laughs> he's got a fender bends the bends compressor cool a, a pog an og big metal box mm-hmm. pog mm-hmm. Uh, a fender pelt fuzz a uh rehouse nobles odr1 cool uh, an XTS shape charger, which I think is some sort of overdrive compressor. I can't remember. Yeah. Overdrive compressor. Yep. Uh, Dunlop mini volume, Electro Harmonic Super Ego Plus, which I think is like a synth thingy. Uh, the Chase Bliss Mood, a Mr. Black JDD 3000, which I'm not sure. That's Don't. probably like a delay. Uh, uh, a blooper, an H9 Max with the little uh, expression little added button the barn three yep mm-hmm. a pigtronics echolution two mm-hmm. strymon volante he says mm-hmm. thanks rhett for that one mm-hmm. uh a fender tray verb and he's got a emerson uh buffer and tuner out going to a sonics research and a big patch bay from btpa um this all is all sorts of stuff this is a man that knows what he wants in life <laughs> absolutely this is this is this is someone that knows what they're doing they know what they like they know what they're going for and they know how to get it and i respect that so the guitars jazz master love it it appeals to my inner hipster and it's the it's 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 the right kind of jazz master for me which is just it's it's gotten rid of it's kind of hard to see with that pick card but it looks like they've gotten rid of all the the rhythm treble switch crap that i hate about yeah. jazz masters and it's just a three-way toggle master volume master tone um which is like the novo setup the saris j setup yeah great um the other guitar what is that called again it's a wandre tigre i like i like the uniqueness of it i like that it's a little weird it's a little out there i don't dig the look because 
Oh, I like it. To me, it does the same thing that some of the old Moserite guitars do, which is mm-hmm. like, it just looks like it was left out in the sun and it started to just melt yeah, in a weird it's way. A, it's like a, a dolly painting of a guitar. Yeah, it just, it's weird to me. But whatever floats your boat, I'm sure it's got a really unique sound and feel. Yeah, every uh, pickup has a switch um, and uh, volume tone, a crazy vibrato thing. It looks kind of like a Burns vibrato, but I yeah. think it's it's specific to um, to these guitars. And it's cool because it's it's that period of guitar, of electric guitar, which is like early to mid-60s where it was established, it was becoming a cultural icon and people were start were trying to like figure it out and see where it could go, right? You had Fender right. and Gibson and, and everyone doing their thing, and then you had these smaller companies that were like, "What if we tried this?" And a lot of it ended up not working. But you end up with a lot of these guitars nowadays. They're leftover relics of this experimentation in the early '60s that are really unique and really cool. Yeah, yeah, and the, the Wandres are super sought after because they're pretty scarce, mm-hmm. and and they're just they're so unique. Um, and he, he's had some other ones like this one looks, this, this one by all accounts is one of the more normal looking ones, I think, um, which is saying something. It's <laughs> saying something. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to amps, man. Um, uh, Viber verb. Come on. Great. Uh, does it, I mean, when it comes to blackface fenders, the Vibra verb is like one of, one of the iconic blackface sounds yeah and the thing is too a big part of that sound is the 115 it is it is the big speaker it if you've never played a 115 amp it's different the low end is way different um it it just uh, it responds different my experience the the larger speaker reacts a little bit slower than like a 12 or even a 10 um they're really really cool man i'd love to have a, a 115 fender style amp yeah, and they're, they're, that's a really rare amp. The, um, they reissued the Vibro Verb, mm-hmm. um, and I think it had like a like the Caesar Diaz mod or something. Because like Stevie uh, mm-hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan famously used them, um, but yeah, they're, they're they're really something to experience. I've played a few of the reissues and some of the originals, and it's just a cool thing. It's it's different. Right. Um, it's like a you know a three by ten bandmaster versus a basement. It's just got a whole different experience and vibe. Right. And then that Filmo sound projection amp, uh, just those are so cool and unique and different. Yeah, I've never played one, but uh, I've you know I'm aware of them. They're really cool. It's maybe not an amp you use all the time, but it's an amp that does a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've I learned recently that I apparently have a catchphrase I didn't know about that people are starting to use it's called it does the thing uh, apparently i say that all the time and i didn't realize you say it. it does not suck a lot i say it does not suck but i also say it, it does the thing which i guess is my that's, way of saying like yeah that's that's a good thing it does what it's supposed to do it's great you, you do say that and i say it's fine it's fine <laughs> ah. all right so pedals all right this is this is great there's some really really powerful stuff on here i'm looking at the mood I have a mood and I've recently started to crack into that thing and really figured out what a powerful uh, tool for sound design and, and getting getting some some crazy stuff out there. H9, I used to have that exact H9 uh, with the Barn 3. I ended up selling it because I didn't like the user interface of the H9. You, you really have to have your like iPhone or iPad hooked up to it to really use it, I found. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never 
really spent that much time with an H9. We, we had them at Carter. They gave us one as like a a, a floor model mm-hmm. to show people, and it was the whatever the Max. I yeah, guess, the one with all the stuff. Right. And I when when I first played it, I was like, "This is cool," but why? Like, I couldn't. Yeah, that's not a pedal for you, my friend. <laughs> that is no, a very no. anti Zach pedal. But you know what's funny is like I hear all these great people using them, like Josh Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have have. He might still use them. I know he was using. He's using the the Poly Digit now for a lot of the same. Like, well, I know he's using things. the H nine for his rotary sound because it's got a great, okay. great rotary sound in there. Well, see, but that's the thing. When I heard it, we heard him doing it with the rotary sound. To me, it just sounds. It doesn't sound right. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a really powerful. It's a great uh, tool because so much, and it does things really, really well, and it's in a pedal board friendly package if you can get over the fact that you need to use a smartphone with it which i couldn't and you really need so he's got the barn three switcher on there it and essentially what that does is it adds two extra foot switches which are assignable and i think it's Mm -hmm. necessary you really need to have that switcher with the h9 to use it because it gives you even just bank up and bank down ability because stock there's only two foot switches on the h9 and you know it can only bank up or, or, you know, it's, it's functionality is limited because of its form factor. And that's why I ended up getting rid of it, but it's a great, great pedal. Um, the blooper. Awesome. I've never played one, but I've seen a lot of people. Paul Davids is a big fan of it, which is great. The OG pog, the big box pog. I love those. Those are great. They are the, the pog is like, I've had, I've had a lot of the pog twos. I've owned Mm -hmm. a couple of them. And every time I have one, I'm like, this is the coolest thing. And then I don't use it and I sell it and I always regret it. They're so um, cool, man. They're so cool. Uh, the only bad thing I've ever noticed with the Pog 2, and I don't know, have you ever had one? No. Um, for whatever reason, the last one I had, and it might have just been mine, but the input cable, you would, it would like pop out. <laughs> so weird. Uh, because these have actual like panel mount jacks, they're like legit. And this had a board mount jack that like you put the cord in, and if you just touched it, it would boink. Right. pop out and disconnect right um i mean it wouldn't like shoot all the way out like a you know a nerf dart <laughs> but uh it would you know unplug itself enough to where it wouldn't make connection so. this this i can i can just imagine the type of sounds that uh andrew is going for with this board and i'm into it man yeah i'm into a phase right now i'm building a modular rig i'm starting to experiment with like different sounds and ambient sounds and things like that and this this is cool the only thing i might recommend the only thing i would change here is you might think about some kind of switching system on the board because I there's a lot of tap dancing going on with mm-hmm. this board. I, I can just tell. Like yeah. uh, this this may not be the most friendly thing for live use. Maybe that's not the intent with this board. Um, maybe it's just to like develop sounds and create. And in that case, it's great. But if you're gonna try and utilize some of these things live, that's that's a lot of foot switches to manage. Yeah, it, it it is, but you know, it's like it might be one of those things where you're just it, just so used to it. Yeah, you know? even if you're used to it though, because I've had boards like this where right. about this size with about this number of pedals, and it's just difficult, man. It's difficult to move around the board like that, even if you're used yeah. to everything. <coughs> oh my god! Sorry. Bless you. Um, I'm Bless allergic you, to the. Child. Uh, to this board no this is great i'm gonna give this 9.3 out of 10 shoils i'm a big fan of this rig 
with the three again. Yeah. No, like, this that's where I'm at. That's what my gut says. I'm going to follow my gut. 9.3 out of 10 soils. Uh, I'd love to hear some of Andrew's sounds that he's getting with this rig. Yeah, actually, I would too. I, I, I'm going to give it a 10. I think even though, like, I am not, like, I, I would want some humbuckers in my life. Mm. But with all the things going on here, like, I could see myself really enjoying this setup. Hey, there's an idea. Maybe maybe include like a short clip of you playing your rig, right? Because when I see stuff like this, I'm like, man, I want to hear that. I want to hear right. what that sounds like. So maybe maybe when you submit your rig to be dipped, if you're comfortable with it and you're comfortable with uh, with your uh, with you being played on the podcast, you know, maybe include a little audio clip. Yeah, you need to send it to us in a way that we can open it and use it. <laughs> Uh, and preferably if it's recorded with a phone, make sure it's just not like, (laughs) you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Milton, add some distortion and crazy noises on that. Send, uh, send something that you would be comfortable with about five to 7,000 people listening to at this point in time. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that should be your benchmark. So sure. Yeah. Great rig. Yeah. 10 out of 10 soils for me. I'm excited. I like this kind of thing. Yeah. That's great, man. Really, really great. So there you go. That's, uh, dipped in your rigs being dipped there it is all right yeah <laughs> there i guess <laughs> so moving right along i think the topic of the day I, I posted on our patreon uh and on my instagram but um they tend to be pretty pedal focused on there right but on the patreon posted for some topic suggestions and kevin imel said modding guitars you could afford at the time into something approaching awesome do's and don'ts uh, I've done it and it turned out well, but I've wasted time and money along mm-hmm. the way. Yes. And I think this is a great topic. I sent you some ideas, um, yep. some definite do's, definite don'ts, in, in my opinion, and uh, just some things to, some little guidelines along the way. But that's what we're going to talk about this week, modding guitars. I love this. Um, I've, I've experimented with modding guitars and amps a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a swing at modding my Tweed amp here pretty soon. Yeah. Start to work on that. Be careful. Yep. Uh, PSA. Your friends here at Dipped in Tone do not recommend that you mod your amps. Um, that we are not liable for any any injury and or death that could occur from <laughs> you sticking your hands inside of a guitar amp. Don't do it. Uh, we didn't tell you to do it. So we need we need to have like a stinger that we just fire. That's like Dipped in Tone does not recommend that you stick your hands in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can just record that and like speed, speed it, up. it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, the modding thing's cool, man. It's part of it's 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 part of what makes guitar great, which is like you get to the world's your oyster, so to speak. You can experiment and find things and, and sort of find your sound and find what works for you. And uh, what works for you works for you, and it doesn't have to work for anybody else. So, yeah, modding do's and don'ts. I think there are a few guidelines to follow, though. Yeah, so I think maybe we should run through some of our our do's and don'ts and then focus in on a few important things that got it that stick out so i wrote some some definite do's and i think the first thing that's the most important thing that supersedes everything is get your guitar set up yep 100 percent. you can learn so much about what an instrument really is doing or not doing for you if you just have it set up properly to how you want to play it yes it's the most paramount thing and don't if if you if you're not comfortable doing it don't be ashamed to take it to a tech i don't i 
I tech all my own stuff, but I've been doing it for 20 years. So I'm used to that. But if you don't, like if you haven't, you know, adjusted your truss rod or set your, you know, your string height and stuff, just take it to a shop. Yeah, I do very basic stuff. You know, uh, I'll adjust the truss rod. I'll set my intonation, things like that. But for me, I just, I like sending it off to somebody. I have a few people here in Atlanta that do my my stuff. And um, to me, I just like the fact that I, I'm, I'm handing it off to a professional that knows what they're doing, especially with sure. the more like expensive guitars that I have. Like I just want somebody to take care of it. But um, yeah, there's no shame in doing that or doing it yourself. I mean, a lot of people learn how to do it themselves. It's a, an important part of their guitar journey. And yeah, by all means, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, just be careful because you can... I mean, a truss rod, obviously, that that's something you can you can just break your neck. But mm-hmm. but even you know, there's a lot of do-it-yourself things you can buy online for like polishing frets and doing mm-hmm. those sort of things. And sometimes they work well. But honestly, that level of thing, uh, unless you have the tools and the the know-how to do it, I 100% take it to a tech because yeah. I've bought some of those do-it-yourself fret polishing kits and stuff just to try them, and most of them are really horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll start off with a don't. And this is, this is in regards to parts casters. Mm. Don't sink a bunch of money into a parts caster thinking that you can just sell the guitar for the amount of money that you put into it. That is not how parts casters work. Nobody's going to want to buy your, you know, warmoth project that was $2,000 in parts for $2,000. Yeah. Um, the thing about parts casters is they're great. It gives you a chance to experiment and build something that might not exist or build something that you've always wanted but can't find. Um, but you have to realize when you do that, you are building to a very small market, a very niche market of typically one, which is you. Yeah. And uh, people, you know, aren't going to... I see it all the time. You see it on Reverb. Parts casters tellies for like 18, 1900 bucks. It's like, no, nah, man. No. <laughs> not how it man. works. <laughs> And you know the the flip side of that is sometimes you can get some really killer deals mm-hmm. on on a fairly nice guitar if you search Warmoth, you know, right. stuff on Reverb or eBay. But you're absolutely right, and I think that 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 works across the board with upgrades in general. Like any money you're going to sink into this, chances are, unless it is so monumental, mm-hmm. you will never ever recoup it. Ever. Right. I sold I sold a Les Paul custom a few years ago to buy my Saris J and I had put a set of Porter Anthem PAFs in it. And I bought those pickups and put them in there. And when I sold the guitar, I tried to up the price by whatever, two or 300 bucks thinking, well, it's got the porters in it. And I quickly realized that it, it wasn't happening. So what I did was actually pulled those out, put the stock pickups back in, sold the guitar and then sold the pickups. Um, so if that is something you're doing, you can part the guitar out. The other thing about parts casters that I learned, um, if you are not handy like me, parts casters are not like Legos, okay? They don't just snap together, you throw some strings on and there's your guitar. You need to have some expertise. You need to have some some know-how when it comes to how guitars are built. If you don't, I would highly, highly recommend taking your parts caster build to a luthier for a few things. First of all, to set the neck, to put the neck on. If it's a Fender-style build, you might think, oh, the neck will just bolt on, it'll be fine. But they don't. 
especially if you're doing different brands. If you're using a warmeth neck and an all parts body, all bets are off. Yeah. Um, if you're mounting a bridge, especially if you're like drilling to mount a bridge or a Bigsby or something like that, take it to somebody that knows what they're doing because you can royally screw up your guitar uh, by not having the right tools or the right know-how to put the thing together. Yeah, the, those those are the definite take to a luthier and just, just pony up the money. Setting a neck, uh, even a warmth neck on a warmth body, it mm-hmm. might need a slight shim. Mm-hmm. You know, it might need... Um, you know, some light sanding to get it where it needs to be. Just, just have a professional do it. It's worth whatever it costs yeah. to have it done right and done once. Yes. You know, that, that's the, that's the thing. It's just like, anytime you're doing something yourself, the measure twice, cut once. It's the same with, with all this, just plan, plan twice and do it once. Yep. Right. <laughs> um, and, and something you said about that Les Paul, I think holds true to holding on to your stock stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think encompassing all this conversation we're going to have today, this is something I find really hard to do when I take pickups, parts out of a guitar, keeping them. Right. Because my first inclination is sell it. I don't want it laying around. Right. But the moment you go to sell that guitar, if you put that stock stuff back, it'll probably sell faster. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, that's the thing, man. Like I'm always weary of buying a modded guitar because you don't know who did the mods. You don't know how it was done. You don't know how many times it was done. And so it, it, it can be some, it can be a negotiating point as a buyer. It can be a, a point to try and drive down the price a little bit. Um, yeah. If you know what you're looking for, you just have to be really, really careful when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think. Sure. So I think the next do that, is is the most important thing. And the thing I recommend to most people is upgrading the electronics apart from your pickups. Mm-hmm. This is as crucial to your tone and your guitar playing experiences experience as, as, as anything new pots mm-hmm. caps to a lesser degree. And honestly, a new Jack. Yeah. A nice Jack is, is so, it's better. It's just yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. Especially the output jack, not the input jack. The output jack. <laughs> Quit calling it an input jack. It's not an input jack. The output jack is a it's a high wear item, right? Think about how many times you're plugging in and plugging pulling plugs on guitars and everything. Like it's a high wear item. So yeah, switchcraft jacks are great. Um, yeah. so high quality CTS pots are really really great. Um, yes. they do make a difference and even the feel, man, one of my pet peeves with cheaper, like import guitars is the pots. A lot of times that they use, they feel they're stiff and kind of cruddy and they don't feel right. When you put a really nice CTS pot, whether it's a normal pot or like a speed pot or something like that on there, I think it really does a lot for, um, making the guitar feel a little bit nicer. Right. So I'm going to put in the description a link to a um, article in Fralin, Lindy Fralin's website about choosing potentiometers. And this is something that we've talked about it before, and I discuss at nauseum for, on live streams and stuff. Matching uh, pots to your pickups. Yep. It, it seems like, you know, you just throw whatever in there and it's going to work. And it can. I mean, it will. But just a little bit of planning and preparation as far as measuring your pots can really have a huge impact on how you 
are controlling your guitar and hearing your guitar. So Lindy goes into detail about what values to use and everything. But why don't why don't you why don't you tell the people of Internet Land a little bit about the interaction between a pickup and a potentiometer and how things are measured and why they're important. So pots in guitars typically come in two values. Now this is not the law, amen, but they come for single coils, usually in 250K and on a humbucker around 500K. And, and that measurement is essentially determining uh, how, how much of your high frequencies will be shunted to ground and um, the higher the value, the less highs get lopped off. And the lower the value, the more highs. So you kind of balance your pickups there. Um, the thing you have to consider is the value, the taper, and the tolerance. Mm. So value... VTT, like, people, remember. <laughs> value, taper, and tolerance. We, we run a zero tolerance policy around here at Dipton Tone, just so you know. <laughs> Oh, man, if you can find a zero-tolerance pot that was exactly on the money, <laughs> uh, you, you can't. You can't, um, no. But choosing your, your, your pots based off their resistance and, and their tolerance will let you dial in the balance with your pickups. So, for instance, on all my humbucker guitars, when I change the pots, and I, and I normally do because most of the time they don't have what I like, I'll buy pots, I'll buy a handful, and then measure them with a multimeter to find out their exact resistance. And what that allows you to do is say on a neck pickup on like a humbucker guitar, like a Les Paul, you can put a higher value pot. So that's going to let more highs through. Mm. And on your bridge, you use a slightly lower. So it balances out that top end. Um, when it is coming to taper, most guitars nowadays, at least high end guitars are using a logarithmic pot and a audio value right and what that means is there's there's two mostly common values for pots there's a linear which basically the value is a straight line if you're looking at it on a graph and like logarithmic has kind of a curve and then a drastic jump at the end it's like a log right <laughs> yeah it's like you the got edge lines of the log. you got logs and, and that's how we perceive sound as humans right uh, the, the decibel scale is logarithmic yes but the classic control of a guitar, like we always talk about, uh, like a Les Paul cleaning up and having retaining that high end, that's a logarithmic thing. And, and there's many different permutations of that, but that's something you really need to consider in how you want to perceive your guitar's sound. Right. So those are some of the things and that's might be, we might've lost a lot of listeners. No, it's dude, it's important because you know, look, I've played guitar for a long time and I know enough about a little bit about this stuff, but I've never thought to uh, measure my pots and match a potentiometer to uh, the pickup. I've always just thought, well, yeah, 250K pots, 250K pots, 250K pot, but it's not. No. And, and, and even then it's like, if you don't measure it, depending on who made it and what the tolerance was like, you could take a 250 K pot with a 10% tolerance and you might be looking at a 225 K pot or, you know, Mm -hmm. even higher 270 something. Fun fact. That's why a lot of, um, if you're ever looking at like a vintage fender amp, for example, you always want to play that particular amp because a blackface deluxe, you could have three of them from the same year, three sequential serial numbers, even, and those three amps are going to sound different because okay. the components that they were using had plus or minus 
in in their values. So you know th- there was a wide swing in in the terms of values of components and caps and resistors and things like that that they were using because they were cheap. Yeah, it's it's monumental, and that's why that's why everything sounds so different. Like you know from that era. Um, you know, ne- these days amps are made with 1% tolerance resistors and mm-hmm. like a 5% tolerance caps and pots are the same. But, but another thing too, is parts sway over right. time. Right. You know, that, like that whenever you see all these people building these replica pedals with all these old school parts, like if you don't measure them, whatever it says might not be what it is. Yeah. But building off of this, I want to get your opinion on treble bleeds. Hot take. Dude, we need to start putting some stingers together, man. Check this out. Look, I've got this Roadcaster here, and I can do things like, you know, or, you know, and we can start we can start putting this stuff in the show. And, uh, yeah, the, we need to get some stingers together, man, I'm telling you. So we could have, like, do's and don'ts. What we essentially just did was a do's and don'ts segment, right? Do's and don'ts on modding guitars. We're still in the middle of the segment. Now we need a hot take uh, stinger button. button. Hot take. Oh, like an explosion trigger. sound and like <laughs> and a sizzling guitar riff. And some sexy lady going like, hot take. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. What is, what is your, your thought on treble bleeds? Um, well, let's, for, for the uninitiated, what is a treble bleed, Jobin? So a treble, a treble bleed is essentially a, a high-pass filter circuit that you put on your volume pot. So as you turn your volume pot down, it retains the treble and kind of lops off the bass. So I'm a fan for humbucker guitars. Yep, I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it. Here's the thing, Zach. I don't care. (laughs) I think it works. I like it. I like... Here's why. Oftentimes when I'm rolling off the volume on my guitar, I'm playing something with a lighter dynamic and I want the top end to stay there because I think it's important on what I'm trying to do. Right. So for me, I like retaining that top end because the thing is you could always, you could always take it off, right? You could always roll that, that tone knob off. If it's too much top end coming through, roll your tone knob off. That's what it's there for, but you can't put it back. And if you're rolling, if you're rolling your volume knob off without a treble bleed, um, and you're losing too much top end, you can't easily put it back unless you have something like an EQ pedal or something like that. But right. Well, see, my whole thing is like a treble bleed actually changes the feel and the taper of a pot. You know, anything you're adding to a circuit affects how the circuit reacts. And while I understand your point, I know most people use them in strats. uh, I think instead of adding a, a cap resistor array to your potentiometer your volume pot just use a better pot i would argue that the volume pots i use in my guitars retain all the high end that i would ever need Mm. Uh, because a i'm i'm matching them to my pickup and and b (laughs) i'm buying a high quality pot that has the taper that i like um the uh, i've talked about them i use the rs guitar Works super pots they they sound to the ear linear. They sound mm. like every turn is just literally turning the volume down. Whereas some pots, they jump like drastically. These don't really do that. But you know, if you want your strat to have a little bit more clarity as you're rolling it down, maybe move to like a uh, measure them out, get it around 200 and 
75 to 80 or a 300k pot and then with with humbucker guitars i use unlike uh, my neck pickup and my les paul is probably like 570k do you even match your pots, bro? I mean, come on. Let's Zach, when we're done here, let's go on the gear page and then let's start ridiculing people for not <laughs> matching their pots. <laughs> Bunch of treble idiots. Bleed. <laughs> if you I, listen, you wouldn't need a treble bleed if you knew how to match pots, you know what I'm saying? So here's the well, deal. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I am going to retain my position because I just want to and it's my idea <laughs> and so i'm gonna fight with you about it because i'm Again, right it's whatever works for you as a player <laughs> no that actually does make a lot of sense yeah and, and i mean the one thing about treble bleeds is you can try it without you know having you don't have to take the the knob and the pot off your guitar and desolder things you can literally just like tack it on to the third and second lug of the pot and boom you have a treble bleed installed and if you hate it just pop it right off no big deal just pop it right off man Pop it off. So, uh, I think we're talking, we talked about a lot of the other dues. Uh, moving on from that, pickups. Mm. All right. This is, this is a great, this is where I recommend people start when it comes to modding. Right. Well, there's a couple of things before we get to pickups. Other components that I think are worthy upgrade to make. If you have a guitar that, that needs upgrading. Tuners. Um, Tuning machines can be a good upgrade. Now, yeah. there's a there's a thing out there that I disagree with, um, which is to say like, oh, if your guitar is having tuning issues, especially a Gibson style guitar, if your guitar is not staying in tune, oh, locking tuners will help it stay in tune. Nope, 100% disagree, 100% disagree. And I know because I put locking tuners on my 335 and it was still having tuning issues. <laughs> Oftentimes your tuning issues are coming from a few different places, um, primarily the nut, making sure that your nut is filed properly, making sure your nut lubricated properly. Hey, mm -hmm. yeah, man. Specifically with a Gibson style guitar where you have a three and three headstock where you got three tuners and three tuners, making sure that the nut slots are filed at the break angle of the string going to the tuner. Now this is something that interestingly, I don't think Gibson does from the factory. Which they should, because it actually compounds, it, it contributes to their tuning issues that Gibson has. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think there's a lot of things you can do to remedy this that, like you said, using some sort of lubricant like, you know, Big Ben's Nut Sauce or even the you know, pencil lead, which helps a little bit. But yeah, I think most tuning problems on a Gibson especially come from binding at the nut. Or I, on the bridge, on the saddles. Or, that can yeah, also, on the that saddles. That can also be it, yep. But like my Les Paul is the most bare bones thing and it holds tune like a rock. It's n it does not go out of tune, but there's a few things you can do on a, on a three and three that doesn't have the, the tuning post aligned to mm -hmm. the nut, mm -hmm. your G B string or, or even your D string wind more string on the post till it's kind of flush with the, the top of the, the bushing. Mm hmm. And it kind of acts like a like a almost like a tree. string tree, yeah. Yeah, it, it helps that break angle because uh, you know what what's the a Les Paul's headstock seventeen angle, like degrees, I think. Yeah, something like that. So it's pretty steep, but also Gibson's traditionally used nylon nuts, like back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'd pick a nylon nut for a Gibson guitar over anything. I uh, disagree, hundred percent, dude. That's, that's dude, part of the sound. I'm, I'm leaving. Sound. I'm leaving. It's, it's bone nut for me. All day. 
that that R nine you love that that collector's choice nylon. Oh well, then to hell with that guitar. Guitar sucks, man. So <laughs> glad I didn't buy that guitar. Thing Every sucks, vintage man. Gibson you've ever played nylon nut. Garbage. Garbage. Space age technology. Garbage. Listen, bro. Uh, bone is natural and therefore sounds the the tone is better because it's again this is my opinion that i've had for years and i'm going to hold on to it until i die this is the hill that i'm going to die on zachary <laughs> well okay i like bone uh nuts but they are bright they do affect the sound of your guitar mm -hmm. um but as far as something that is uh good for tuning stability and um Sounds good. I think nylon is fantastic. <laughs> I think it's great. But no, I don't like it for saddles. What um, was that guy saying in your um, live stream the other day? 40 years experience. 40 years, 40 years experience. 40 years experience. Cool. Um, <laughs> I I just, man, I, I like nylon nuts. But, and, and that's something like, if, if you, if you like met someone, they're like, yeah, I got to get a new nut for my guitar. And you'd say, what are, they, what are you going to put on it? And just say, oh, it's a piece of nylon. You would say, get out of here like you know but i i think for for, for gibson's especially <laughs> and it can sound kind nylon. of uh confusing See, you think nylon it's like oh i got a piece of this members only jacket that i cut up and i'm gonna use <laughs> right. for, for a nut on my guitar it's like, no yeah. it's like six six nylon it's just you know yeah that's what it is um so yeah i think those are worthy upgrades actually for fender guitars specifically tellies i actually just ordered these for my esquire um I really like swapping the saddles over to fully compensated saddles for tellies. Because here's the thing, oh, like yeah. a vintage correct telly bridge and telly saddles, you can't intonate. They don't intonate properly. Um, and so there's there's been multiple companies that have rectified this. I went on Stumac and ordered, I think, a Callaham brass, uh, just the saddles. You know, so I'm just going to replace the screws and springs and saddles. And yeah. they are they are machined so that the actual uh, break angle and the point at which the string goes over the saddle is compensated so that you can intonate the guitar properly, which yeah. is important. Oh, and, and it's it's such a minor thing that, that makes such a big difference. Yeah. Uh, like bridge material and bridge construction is a huge thing of... of it's a huge way to upgrade your guitar. Um, I, I would argue that your electronics and your pickups are, are the most important thing. But as far as having a little bit more control uh, of your intonation and stuff, you should never overlook modifying that. My favorite intonated Fender-style bridge is actually the it's something that Fender did for a little while where they were like, they were brass, but at the end they were rounded and they were like split in the middle. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, mm -hmm. they look so good. I yep. feel like they should just put that on everything, but they, I think they stopped making them. I like brass saddles on tellies. That's what I ordered for my Esquire. It does, yeah. again, it changes the sound. Um, yes. I, I like it. I like what it does. And uh, I think the compensated, the actual compensated saddles are important for tellies uh, specifically. If you don't have, because some tellies have the, you know, more modern kind of six individual saddles that you can intonate properly, but... Uh, yeah, the the, the telly sound is three individual saddle, or, you know, or three three saddles. Right, right, and which is cool because this lets you retain that traditional telly sound while actually being able to play the guitar in tune, which I think is yeah. <laughs> important. If you ask me, yeah, that's just me. So, hey, so getting back to pickups, yeah, I I have some strong opinions on on this, and uh, 
I don't know if you guys follow uh, the visual guy, Jacob. Uh, he has a YouTube channel where he just demos like every humbucker ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff. Really nice guy. And he, he and I have talked a lot about this, that pickups in and of themselves are not going to fix any guitar. They're not right. going to get your guitar where it has to be. Mm-hmm. What you have to do, and this is a journey that you'll have to go on you know, yourself, is listen to your guitar and figure out where you want to take it and then put pickups that will either shift or uh, expand what's already there. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a thing that, you know, you, you read something on paper and you think, oh, these throwbacks, they're, they're $500 and they're wound on the original machines. These have to be the best. They, they might not be. Yeah, uh, dude. And this is how I, I'm really hesitant to answer this question. I get this question a lot. Which is like, well, what pickups do you recommend? I've got uh, this guitar. It's like, uh, I don't know, man. There's so many value. You, you can't just answer that question because yeah, there's so many variables. Well, what do you want? What are you looking for that you're not currently getting? Because the other thing is, this is an important thing with mods. A lot of people out there modify for the sake of modifying. And they change stuff just because they think that, oh, I'm spending money. This is going to make my guitar better. When in reality, it's fine. You might not need new pickups, you know? Right. So the first answer is like, okay, like you said, what am I not getting that I want to hear? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for instance, my John Mayer Strat, you know, I'm not a huge Strat guy. I do really like that Strat. I love the way it plays. I love the way it feels. But the Big Dipper pickups, to me, aren't my favorite because they're a little too mid-scooped and they're a little too low output. So there you go. Yeah. There's there's your there's the answer to your question. Like, well, what should I get? All right, well, they're a little too mid-scooped and they're a little too low output. So there, I need to look for a pickup that is a little bit hotter, a little bit higher output, and is voiced to have more mid-range presence than these big dipper pickups. Once you've got those two things nailed down, then you've taken this market of hundreds of different strat pickups and windings from dozens of different manufacturers, and you've narrowed it down to maybe five or six pickups uh, combinations. And then it makes it a lot easier to choose. But to come out and just say, what pickups should I get? Well, maybe none. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there... You can't you can't answer that and 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 even then it's like everyone's perception of what a PAF is is so different you know Gary Rossington had PAFs in his Les Paul when he was playing all that early Skinnerd stuff and it sounds nothing like Jimmy Page with mm-hmm. PAFs in his guitar it's like mm-hmm. what are you trying to achieve where are you trying to go and what do you not have because it's you know what's crazy too and this is something that I think we as a guitar community get so obsessed with like the most boutique and high end. I've played some Duncans and some DiMarzio pickups that smoke the most boutique wound pickup. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you have to listen, man, we all get sucked into the hype. I do. Uh, but when I first started switching, swapping pickups, my guitars 10 years ago, I didn't have money to spend on Freylands or, Lollers or whatever. I I bought the first guitar I ever started modifying and messing around with was an old Japanese Squire Strat, and um, I feel bad because I I destroyed that guitar. I was young and dumb and didn't know what I had, and I decided to try and relic it. And 
I st- you've talked about this before, and I still want to see it. I want to. That guitar will never see the light of day. Oh, I'm yeah, I want you to like put it in a glass case. I've I've painted it. Uh, to be fair, it wasn't a great strat. It was it was kind of a dog. Like mm. it weighs almost ten pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And when I got it, it was already destroyed. I mean, I I, I got it on Craigslist. Literally, it was ten years ago. I didn't know anything. I'd never bought like a used guitar before. It didn't work. The electronics and everything needed to be replaced. The the neck, the frets were completely shot. I mean, it wasn't... The guitar was basically done, but I bought right. it anyways. And uh, so if there was ever a guitar to destroy, it was that one. Uh, but yeah, the first set of pickups I ever bought were a set of DiMarzio. They were the uh, Hendrix spec. I forget what they're called. The 69s or something like that. Yeah. Um, like and they were great. I still yeah. have them, actually. I need to pull them out of that guitar and use them for something else. But uh, The first pickup set that I remember ever putting in a guitar was I had a Silvertone Les Paul copy back when Silvertone were sold at like Sam Goody. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I put a set, I saved forever, and I put a set of Seymour Duncan Invaders in that guitar. Invaders, baby. Yeah, <laughs> sick, man. Two, they're like 18K a piece. Uh, <laughs> it was the loudest 18. guitar because I was like super into Blink-182 and like punk yeah. rock. And that's, what, that's what Tom DeLonge had. And I was like, well, if one's good, two must be perfect. <laughs> You're damn right. Uh, Man, I love ceramic pickups. I want 20K output, baby. I, I remember the first time I put them in that guitar and I plugged them into like my little, I had, a, I had like a crate hybrid tube solid. It was weird, but I plugged it in and holy shit. It was like, just like, <laughs> oh. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the worst pickups, my least favorite pickups that I've ever played are Gibson 490 and 498T. That was what was in that Les Paul custom that I had. Yeah, and that's why so I replaced bad. them. God, they're garbage pickups. Garbage. So I hate them so much. If you have 498s and 490s in your Les Paul or whatever, and un- if you f- hate what I just said, feel free to unsubscribe. I can't stand those pickups they are so high output they have no character there's no dynamic response or feel to them whatsoever just about anything else i think is an upgrade from those pickups oh i I would yeah i would almost rather i would rather have any set of like gfs like cheapy oh dude the g some of the gfs stuff is great like oh man yeah no it it, it, i'm not trying to talk shit on that brand like i that's what's in my little squire strat down yeah garage. yeah sounds good i i had uh i had a prs vela and i put their surf 90 which was like a weird it's not a dynasonic sort of thing it was awesome yeah man don't sleep on the gfs stuff they they, they do a lot of bang for buck kind of and, uh stuff out and, there and they have sales like every three months so you can always like get something like also mojo tone i feel like mojo tone is really really undersung in the pickup community i think they do some really good stuff and especially like getting back to the wiring thing a really popular what i like to do with the wiring stuff is buy the pre-wired kits like where you just literally pull the thing out and drop it in because again i'm not super handy i don't like spending a ton of time monkeying around with stuff i mean i'll solder cables and things like that but um i've had the emerson custom that i put in a telly that i used to have with the oil and paper cap which i thought was cool i liked that Mm -hmm. thought it was an upgrade um, in a strat parts strat build that I did a few years ago that we gave away, we did one yeah. of the Mojo Tone blender kits. It was great. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's there's no shortage of places where you can really get something that fits your budget and where you're trying to go. So, 
I think the biggest thing is just really being patient and doing your research. It's so easy now with everything just on our phone to say, Hey, I want to, I want to get new stuff. Uh, what's the first thing I found? Uh, you know, 60 bucks, buy it. Yeah. Instead of really just taking the time and say, okay, is this really what I want? Is mm-hmm. this really what I need? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so often want outweighs the need, but yeah. anyway, and I get I mean, it, man, it's fun. It's fun to monkey around with stuff and, and experiment and change stuff. And and that's part of the joy of having guitars, man, and, and playing around with them. Like it's, it's honestly one of the best parts in my opinion, you know, but yeah. in order to make the right decisions and to not waste money, I would say no matter what you're thinking about modding, take a second and, and even like if you have to write down a note in your phone or whatever, like, okay, here's what I'm hearing that I don't like that I would like to change. Is it yeah. pickups? Is it wiring? Is it strings? Is it changing string gauge? Um, heavier strings are not better. Okay. <laughs> Listen, uh, this is, this is a hill I will legitimately die on. Um, the, the myth that heavier gauge strings give you better tone is BS. Yeah. yeah. It, it is different and that difference is subjective, but the whole, oh, Stevie, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan played, yeah, he did. And then towards the end of his life, he was actually switching back to lighter gauge strings. Yeah, Billy yeah, Gibbons absolutely. has played eights, okay, forever. When yeah. you go to a lighter gauge string, it tightens up your low end, which I think makes the guitar work better in a mix. Um, it feels better, I think. Uh, for me personally, switching to nines from tens, helped fix a problem that I had in my playing for a long time, which was playing too hard, which is digging in too much with my fretting hand. Yeah. So yeah, this idea, I'm not saying everyone should go light gauge strings, but saying that if you're going to sit and argue on a, on someone's live stream about, (laughs) you know, heavier gauge strings being better, I think you're wrong. Yeah, I I, know. I totally agree. And, and I, I've heard, I've heard that, uh, the, the whole Stevie thing, you know, uh, one of my one of my close friends actually had a conversation with R- Renee Martinez, and he was like, "Yeah, near the end, he was using tens on the top." Yeah, it's like he used whatever felt comfortable and whatever whatever he wanted to play. And at the end of the day, you know what? He still sounded like him. <laughs> so you just play whatever feels the most comfortable. And I think the last thing that we should touch on before we get to our shill, uh, yeah, is keep everything in perspective yep. with what you're trying to accomplish on your guitar within, you know, whatever budget you have, because I'm of the opinion, it doesn't make sense to pour hundreds and hundreds of dollars into a guitar that costs just a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Maybe at that point, you're better served saving your money getting a different guitar mm-hmm. or selling that guitar, getting a nicer guitar, because just make a goal for yourself and chase that goal. Don't, Try to fix something and turn it into something that it that it, it may never be. Yes, and that is a thing that you see a lot online, where people, uh, and this kind of gets into a different discussion about you know identity and people wrapping up their identity and the pieces of gear or the brands that they buy, which is kind of strange to me. But yeah. you see this argument a lot. I, to me, it's most seen with Epiphone versus Gibson or Squire versus Fender. Oh. My Epiphone Les Paul will smoke any custom shop Les Paul out there because I made these upgrades. Look, you may have a great sounding Epiphone, right? Like I, I think yeah. there's a lot of Epiphones out there that are genuinely great guitars. But <laughs> I think more often than not across the board, 
you're just, it's two completely different things. They're, they're not really comparable. It's, it's different wood made by different people, different components, different construction methods, like different materials. I mean, the idea that you can take a $300 guitar, put a few hundred dollars into it and turn it into a $3,000 guitar, I don't think is a good, a, a good way to think about modifying stuff. Modifying right. is ways is a good way to make small incremental improvements on a guitar that you already like and and just want to either suit more to your needs or wants or to fix an inherent problem that you might be having. But the thought of it would be like saying I'm going to take a Honda Civic and I'm going to put $1000 in a cold air intake and an exhaust on it and some wheels and all of a sudden I've got a, a 911. Right. Mm, Honda Civic's nope. a great car. Like, right. don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just a different thing than a 911. They're just different things. So yeah. that's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, Epiphones and Gibsons, especially Epiphone versus Gibson Custom Shop, is they, they could not be further apart. And same with Fender and like a Fender Custom Shop and a Squire. It's like, it's night and day. It's apples and oranges. They're it really is. It really is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that make that argument just haven't experienced, they haven't had a lot of experience playing the different stuff. And you and I are very fortunate with yes. with our jobs and what we've done over the years with you working at Carter and me doing a YouTube channel. We've had the opportunity that not a lot of people have, uh, which we need to keep in mind when we're talking about this stuff, which is sure. we have had the opportunity to get our hands on a lot of stuff and own a lot of stuff. Uh that most people don't get the chance to do. They don't get the chance to play bursts and all the custom shop stuff and the the import stuff. And so, um, yeah, from my perspective, having had the opportunity to play a lot of things, I've learned some stuff. Vintage is not always better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a difference between the low end and the high end of the spectrum. And whether or not you, it's worth it to you, that's a completely different argument. Yes. Whether or not a $7,000 custom shop Les Paul is worth it to you is a different thing. What we're me, uh, simply saying is that there's a difference between a $500 Epiphone Les Paul and a $7,000 um, custom shop Les Paul. That's yeah, it. And, and you can totally find Epiphones that are fantastic. Yeah. But, but the idea that an Epiphone across the board can beat a Gibson, like you, you may find one out of 100 epiphones that are just as good as a gibson custom shop maybe maybe for like feel and maybe the wood is just there it's just right it may be but you think it's just going to be one out of 100 gibson custom shops that are going to be a Mm -hmm. ringer Mm -hmm. no no it's going to be 75 80 percent of them if not all of them yeah and i think the other thing to be careful of too is people get so up in their whenever this kind of discussion comes up because it sounds like it can sound like that you're oh well you just think all Epiphones suck or you're just shitting on cheap guitars you just yeah uh, uh, no 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 that's that's not at all what we're saying like it, again <laughs> there's a lot of truly great Squires and Gibson yeah. USA and Fender Mexican Fenders and and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of really great stuff out there and at the end of the day dude if it helps you get your voice out and it helps you create something. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what what you're playing and how much you spent on it. There's a guy on TikTok I follow, uh, incredible singer songwriter. His name his username's Joe P. And the stuff he writes and the sounds and his production are fantastic. And he's playing like a three hundred dollar Dan Electro, you know, DI 
into logic, I think, but his sound and his music is incredible. It, it wouldn't be made better if he was playing a custom shop telly. Your, your talent doesn't come out of an instrument. Yeah. So just a tool, man. That's all it is. Just a tool. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite, just uh, music instrument quotes was uh, Bob Moog. And he had like a circuit board. This was on a documentary about him. That's really good. If you can find it, I can't remember what it's called, but there's not very many about him. Um, but they're interviewing him and he has a PCB for, you know, a synth. And he's like, music doesn't exist in this. It's mm. out here. It's in here. And it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bro. What? Oh my God, dude. He's right. Yeah. But I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, I do love Moog though. I've been playing with yeah. a subharmonicon over here. It's a jolliment. Yes. Well, do you have a shill of the week? You know, I do. You do? I do. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I need to unplug it, though, because it's plugged up right now. So give me one second. (sighs) Oh, God. Um, Let's talk amongst yourselves in the chat. All right. Are we ready? Yes. I hope I haven't talked about this one yet. I can't remember. We just shill so much around here. It's hard to keep track, you know? Hey. Hey. All right. Chase Bliss mood. Oh, there you go. Yep. Dude, this thing has become like an inspiration box for me. Um, And I'm actually not even playing much guitar through it. And I've got it hooked up to my synth rig that I'm kind of building and experimenting with. And my God, uh, I didn't get it at first. It took me a while to wrap my brain around this thing and what it was even for and what it did. I had to watch a few YouTube videos. Um, but once I got it, it is, it's very cool, man. It is very, very cool. Um, it's, if you don't know, it's essentially two pedals in one and it's a collaboration with old blood noise endeavors and, uh, God, I can't even remember chase bliss, old blood noise and, Oh shit! I can't remember who else did this. Oh, it's, th- it's three people. I think so. Oh, so this side is basically the old blood noise side, I believe, and it is a delay, a reverb, and a mode called uh, slip, which is a weird sort of pitch harmony delay kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then this side is a sampler, and it has three modes as well. And essentially, what this pedal does is it takes your input whether it be from your guitar, from a synth, from a microphone, whatever you put into it, it samples it in a unique way. And then it can feed it into the effects for the reverb, the delay, the slip mode. And then in this middle section, you have a clock. Okay. So what the clock is doing is essentially controlling, like you can think about the resolution essentially. So this middle knob would be like all the way up is like watching a video in 4K, high def resolution. And the more you turn this down, the more resolution and time and and just information you're losing. And it changes the pitch, it changes the tonality. Then you can go all the way down to the point where it doesn't even sound like uh, your original sound source. It starts to sound like a computer is dying. It's it's amazing. I love this thing. It's not for everybody. But I don't know. I'm getting into a place with uh, with music where I'm really fascinated by things that are not just the 
the typical guitar sounds and, and guitar based music that I've been listening to a lot. I'm really getting fascinated by modular synthesis and sound design and ambient stuff. Um, I'm kind of toying with the idea of putting out like an ambient <laughs> EP this year. Yeah, do it. Um, so yeah. And this has been a big part of that. This has been a big sure. part for, for that for me. So Bo Barber in the chat says Drollo effects is the other side. Drollo effects. Apologies to Drollo effects. I did not mean to, uh, to, to give uh to, to miss out there, on you guys so there's only so much information we can store in these mm-hmm. noggins of ours mm-hmm. um i i ordered a pedal last night um from btronics because oh, they had him. a limited edition royal jelly called the b mine oh, dude and it's like teal and like a reddish orange it looks so good and i just bought it and then they sent me a message like hey what are you doing like, buying something <laughs> Like we would, you know, help you, you know, get one of these. I'm like that. That's I didn't want to wait. I don't yeah. want to make sure that like every time I've done that, because they put out limited edition things that look so cool, Damn. and by the time I see it, it's gone. I'm like, I'm just. Gonna I'm buy. so obsessed with Beatronics. Uh, I yeah. I really <laughs> I really love those guys. Their yeah. pedals are amazing, and yeah. Is there another brand out there that understands aesthetics better than them? In terms of branding, I mean, I I don't know. No, not not as uh, as as cohesive, I think. It's... But my shill is is something different. Oh, okay. <laughs> my shill is actually this. Let's see, can that focus? Oh, Ooh. Yeah. This is my original fuzz guitar strap. And talking about modding and making something yours, dude. A cool strap with your guitar. Yep. Hold on. Speaking of straps, you you talk about that. I'm I'm gonna grab a strap that I'm gonna shill real quick. So, if you don't know original fuzz, they're built in Nashville. Um, my wife ordered this basically custom for me. They have this like crazy, they have all sorts of fabrics and this one looks like an old couch from the sixties or something, but uh, you can customize the lengths because I need a longer strap because of my dumb left hand. So they made this one uh, to my length. It's basically like the length of an Ernie ball strap, but um, I just love flashy, fancy straps. So Check out Original Fuzz, guys. Yeah, okay. So here's mine. I've been buying these straps recently. These are not given to me. These are, I've been buying these. These are by a company called Ride On. Uh, okay. They're a Spanish company. Um, they're somewhat expensive. I believe this one was around $80 US. Um, but here's the deal. First of all, look at it. I mean, my right. God. It's just beautiful. Um, there's another one I like. Oh, so sick. Here's the deal, man. I learned this lesson a long time ago. When it comes to straps, finding the right strap is really, really important, especially if you're standing and playing a lot. I, when when we were gigging and I was in rehearsals a lot, I started developing some crazy neck pain, like up the, like my spine into my neck. That was honestly kind of debilitating because of the guitar hanging on my left shoulder for so long on a strap that was too narrow. I would just grab like whatever cheap, strap was at guitar center or whatever use one of the ernie ball straps or whatever and those are fine there's nothing wrong with them but for me i was finding i was starting to get really bad like back and neck problems and shoulder problems because of it and so i found these straps a couple years ago um and i've bought i think i have two or three of these now and here's the thing with straps if you have multiple guitars you can just buy one really good strap that you can move between different guitars so i have two or three of these and they go, these are now the straps that I use for everything. They go with me on gigs um, because they're nice and wide. They're really thick, 
like super padded. Yeah. It's really nice leather. And the adjustment mechanism is really cool. It's literally like bolted together. So you pick uh, where you want it to go and then it like screws into place. Cool. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Nice. I, straps. Uh, I, I have like a few things that like have to happen with a strap. I hate when they like catch your shirt. Yeah. Um, that one, it's got like a cloth back. Uh, I really like the ones that have like a seat, seat belt sort right. of thing. Right. That but, nylon. But yeah, you know, I've never had like issues with, with like the, a guitar. Cause back when I used to gig like every weekend, we do like cover sets, play three or four hours and I'd play my Les Paul. It never really bothered me. The th- my, my right shoulder actually bothers me from when I'm sitting down and playing. Mm-hmm. If I play for a long period sitting down, like this position really hurts my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have bad posture to begin with, and I think yeah, it's like compounding too. that with the yeah. the strap. So yeah, I've found these. They've pretty much alleviated the the back and neck problems I was having. Um, nice. And they look cool. They look that, cool. But that's one of the sacrifices. You can get a strap that's like the most comfortable thing in the world, and it looks like, like something you bought out of a sharper image. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, uh, look, I love Mono, um, and, and they are... I think they're sponsoring my channel. Yeah, they are. They, they've sponsored some stuff we've done in the past, and but I I don't dig their straps, man. Yeah, <laughs> their straps look like they were designed by Apple, and I don't I don't dig it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. Um, and the the other thing too, man, it's it's a cool like accessory thing, you know. And a company like yeah. this, it's a small company, like an artist artist person that's making these, and it's a way to support like a small business artisan. Um, uh, friend of the show, Eric Zapata uses, um, Jody head straps. You hip to Jody. Yeah. Yeah. I, this other strap I showed this like crazy, oh, uh, this is, rad. this is Jayco, which these are oh, cool. That's sick. Yeah. It's like super flashy. It when looks I, like I, a, a kimono. Like you cut up like a kimono that, and made a strap out of it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I remember when I, when I got this, Morgan was like, you want to get that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Look how sexy that Dude, is. pop a color. Come on. Yeah, you got a peacock. You got a peacock on your shoulder. Hey, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, straps are cool, man. Buy some cool straps. There you yeah, go. The end. <laughs> That's it. We did it. We did it again. Thanks, everyone. Uh, don't forget to share the show. Subscribe if you haven't already. We're coming up on how many subscribers now? 5,000? Almost. We're, 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 we're past the, the curve of 4,000. We're like 4,500. So we're we're like rounding the, the corner on five grand, y'all. That's, That's a big deal. Thank you for uh, subscribing, supporting, share the show, like us, uh, review us on iTunes. That's a big one. We need to, we need to get people to leave some reviews. Um, so if you review, we will, uh, be thinking about how great of a person you are. (laughs) I, I I promise, I promise, promise, promise soon. We're going to have, uh, more tiers in the Patreon for like merch and stuff. Um, I'm thinking about buying some picks, uh, getting cool. some custom picks made, and we can like maybe mail those out. You know, snail mail. You know, that's yeah fun. You know, get a few picks and maybe some stickers. I, I know I've been talking about this forever, but I'm finally I'm whittling down my my build sheets uh, for for the pedals. And I'm, I'm starting to I'm starting to force myself to stop working on pedals so much. So I'm going to yep. do I could do more work in a yep. different way. Yep. Nice. Yep. So. Yep. 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 <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that's episode whatever this was. Thanks for hanging out. And we will uh, we will see y'all next week. Bye. Bye-bye.